Welcome to the Morning Book Reviews, where an evangelical encounters the restoration. I'm your host, Stephen Peinecker, and I'm very excited to have a very special guest on. His name is David Sanders, and he has a podcast called The Mormon Renegade Podcast. Welcome to the program, sir. Dude, I'm excited to be here. I appreciate you having me on, Steve. And so I'm very excited to have you on as well. So this is the thing. Uh, before we get into the, the backstory of how we're actually going to talk about the backstory, about how you got involved in the podcast, but we also want to go further back and get the background of David, your faith journey, and then kind of how it led all to where we're at today. So I just, I guess my very first question to you, Dave, is uh, tell me about your faith background. Tell me what kind of house you were raised in, where you raised LDS, fundamentalist, or what have you. So no, I, I'm... Uh... I'm the only Mormon of any branch on either side of my family going back forever. Um, as far as what it was like as a kid, um, there was always talk of, of God in the house, right? I mean, it wasn't like it was a taboo subject, but my parents were very uh, unreligious, right? And they were, which was good because it left them pretty non-judgmental when they encountered other people, right? Whether they happened to be Mormons or or Catholics or, or, or Protestants, whatever it was. So they were, they were pretty open that way. Um, so where, where my, really my faith journey begins is probably back when I was 13. So um, I was really close with my dad. My dad in a lot of ways was my best friend. We'd spend hours together in the truck. He was a diesel mechanic. And just real quick, where are you from originally? Just so we know. The or, originally, uh, I was born in uh, Petersburg, Alaska. And then when you were 13 years old, where were you at at the time? At, at that point, we had moved to Western Idaho, about okay, so 45 miles west of Boise. So, okay, great. Um, so my dad, as I say, my dad, who's, who was up to, you know, really my best friend in, in a lot of ways. Um, great father. I look back and, and taught me a lot, even, even for just being 13. And uh, he ended up passing away when I was 13. And... Um, I remember I, there was a, a pastor of a church, and I won't give denomination or anything like that, but I remember I asked him, and it was early in the morning, it was about 3.30, and I was just kind of sitting by myself on the front porch, still in shock, right, trying to take this all in, and, and I just asked him, I said, you know, what, what happened to my dad, right, and where's my dad go now, and he said, well, if, if he didn't accept Jesus before his death, he's kind of kind of lost at that point. And um, I was like, well, what does that mean? You know, explain to me what that means. And, and, and he explained it to me a little bit, but it just didn't set right. Right. Like if, if, if he doesn't go to church or if he wasn't baptized, what, what does that really mean? So that this starts me down at a young age. I mean, I'm, I'm 14 years old and I'm checking out, you know, books on religion and whatever, because I'm like, look, if, if God exists, he's got to love his children to a point to where he's, he's made some provisions, right, and um, I just didn't find anything, now, interestingly enough, I had a good friend all through high school, you know, junior high, middle school, who was a Mormon, and he would, he'd be like, uh, you know, I'm a, if, if you're looking, you know, I, I could help you out. And I'm like, I'll stop drinking coffee. That'll fix it. No, no, thank you. And so I just kind of brushed it off. And uh, later I met my wife. I basically didn't find anything that really answered my question. So I, 
I kind of started going down kind of an agnostic road or maybe even atheist. I was, I was flirting with that pretty heavy. Um, and then I met my wife and she was an inactive uh, member of the LDS church at the time. And uh, I remember we were driving in the car and she said, I want to, I want to raise my kids in, in the LDS church. I was like, that's great. I, I have no problems with that. Some of my best designated drivers in high school were Mormon. I have no problems with that. <laughs> and, uh, and she's like, well, do you want to know what they're going to be taught? And I was like, no, I think I got the gist. Thanks for asking. And then only as uh, a, a woman can do to a young man, she's like, well, it would really mean a lot to me and really mean a lot to my mom. And I was like, tell you what, I'll take the discussions and, uh, well, you know, I'll listen, but if anyone asks me to, to jump in the pool or to get baptized, I'm done, right? I'll shut it off right there. I don't have a problem telling anyone just to go pound sand and leave. And so we, uh, we have the first discussion. This was back in 95. And so the, the discussions were really regimented at that point. You got a little pamphlet, a reading assignment, and then you went and read and prayed. And I remember, um, I took the first discussion and then Amber and her mom were going out of town to celebrate Amber's uh, um, graduation and left me kind of to my own devices. So I do what I always did. I, I grabbed my gear and I, I, you know, drove down and I went fishing. That's what I did. And I had this little secluded spot that I had that it was hardly ever touched. Like I could put my fire out in late fall and come back in the spring and the same garbage I had in that fire pit would still be there. And it kind of ran off into like a little eddy. And so the water would slow down. You could actually see the, the bass and some catfish come in there off the Snake River and feed. And I was always able to drop my line in the water and pull out, you know, fish to eat. It wasn't, it wasn't a second thought to me. So I go home, I unpack my bag and I I throw all this other stuff in this bag to, to get me through the night and I drive down and I start marching and it's about a, a 30 mile drive from my house and I, I start marching back and it's about a five mile hike after after the drive. And I get there and I set up and I uh, put my pole in the water and I start a fire and nothing happens. Now I can see the fish down there, but nothing ha is happening at all. And uh, you know, it gets dark and I'm like, well, it's kind of too late to hike out now. I guess I'm just going to go hungry tonight. And then tomorrow I'll, I'll hike out and I'll, you know, stop at a diner and have some biscuits and gravy or, you know, that was my go-to. And so I'm driving out. I mean, I'm, uh, I'm just sitting there by the, by this eddy and the fire's going and I'm like, I don't even know what I'm going to do with myself for the rest of the night. And I happen to glance over at my bag and I'd forgot to take the book of Mormon out of the bag. I could see, see the cover and I was like well there's no one around to watch me read I guess I can do this so I picked up and and back in those days it was always directed to you know go to Moroni's promise right about you know if you pray about these things you'll get a witness and I'll be honest I read that and I was like yep it sounds a lot like the bible right I, I wasn't too terribly impressed and uh but again I, I wasn't doing anything else so I was like let's just read on so I just started reading chapters right just at random and I remember the one that really left an impression was the story of Abinadi, right? Where he's testifying before King Noah. And that, that made an impression. And I was 
by myself and I thought, let's put it to the test. And so I prayed about it. Now there was no miraculous vision. There was there, you know, the, the, the heavens didn't open, but I just asked to know if the gospel was true. Now, what I didn't understand at the time that would play a major role later was I didn't ask to know if the LDS church was true. I asked to know if the gospel was true. And again, there was no miraculous vision, but I received a witness that it was. And so I couldn't now just get up and ignore that, right? I knew I had to do whatever it was that was asked of me. However, being, I, I'm, I firmly believe this, being God's most petulant and sometimes uh, testy child, I thought I had God over a barrel because I, I told everybody, don't ask me to be baptized. I'm not looking to be a Mormon even still, right? Well, just and so quick, I thought, you said you, yeah. you had a witness of the gospel. What, what was that witness? It was just, it was just an overwhelming feeling of peace and of love. Um, it was a overwhelming feeling of the book you're holding in your hand is, is a, is a true document, right? Not just a book, but a document of, of other people that, that I, meaning the Lord had, had dealt with. And so though it was, it was just overwhelming. And, and I know I'm not doing it justice because I'm not sure I have the words to put to it, but it really was a religious experience. So um, again, I, I felt like I still had the upper hand because I had told everybody that was involved in, in teaching me, don't ask me to be baptized. I'll, I'll get up and walk out and we'll be done. And I had two elders. One was from East Texas and the other was from Russia. And the one from Russia hardly knew any English still. I mean, he struggled a lot. And uh, we're sitting in, in Amber's mom's living room. And this one elder from Russia would not quit mad dogging me. I mean, he's just eye contact the whole time. And I'm thinking, now I know why the KGB was so effective. This is uncomfortable. And uh, they're, they're right in the middle of the discussion. And this elder from Russia reaches over and he puts his hand on the other elder's knee and the other elder stops talking and the, uh, the elder from Russia just looks at me and says, you know, would you be baptized? And that was it. I, at that point there, I had no more wiggle room, right? I mean, I had basically told God, you know, look, I, I told them all this. And if this is really you, you're going to have to inspire one of them to go against what I told them directly to, to have this happen. And it was so out of the blue, right? We weren't talking about baptism. We hadn't got to that discussion yet that it left no wiggle room. So that's, that's really where I became a Mormon. Hmm. And, uh, I was baptized into the LDS church in 95. Uh, me and Amber got married. Um, and then we just kind of went along, uh, for, for probably 10 years, 12 years, maybe. Um, you were in your early twenties when you, uh, came out. I was, uh, I was 18. Oh, wow. Okay. I was 18. Um, and so we, we go along quite, you know, I, I basically work the program is the best way I can describe it. Right. We, we do all those things that were asked of us. We go to the temple. Uh, I fulfill my callings 
I, I do all those things. Um, no discipline problems from the LDS church ever. Um, maybe a stern talking to once when I accidentally quoted out of the journal of discourses on something pretty benign, but other than that, it was, it was smooth sailing. It was always in some sort of leadership position within the church, right? Uh, after the first year, it seemed like I was, I was in, in some sort of leadership. And then, um, about 10 years later, we, we had moved to a, a different part of Idaho and, uh, we uh, we were out in the country on on five acres, and we uh, moved uh, into this house. And this was right when the economy was kind of going in the toilet in 2007, 2008. I can't remember which one, but it and, and it was hitting us pretty hard. So I I actually went into business with a friend. We did like I don't know two jobs a month, which was enough to sustain us, but it gave me a ton of free time. So I just worked around the house. Well, there was no one on either side of us, left or right, for miles, except for a, a woman who lived uh, just to the west of us. And Amber and her became really good friends. Um, they, were, they were pretty inseparable. And uh, I remember Amber would, would do things like, you know, hey, David's not busy. He can go help you mend the fence or whatever it was. And that went on for quite a while. And I remember there was one day that I remember I, I, I kind of started developing feelings for, and I ran out of there as quickly as I could. Mm. And I made excuses not to go over because I'd made covenants to be chaste and to be faithful to my wife. And so there's that. And above all else, I would never want to be in a position where I would hurt my wife bar none, no matter what. So I took off and I, and I made excuses not to go over. Now she would come over with Amber because they were friends or whatever. And, uh, they would, they, they team taught, they taught uh, primary together. They were, they were co-teachers, I guess you'd say I was, uh, I was, uh, I want to say I was in the young men's presidency at that time. I could be wrong anyway. Um, they, uh, they, they just kept coming over. And one night um, we had a, a barbecue and then I'd, I'd made a really nice fire pit and patio. And uh, the subject of plural marriage came up and I was like, boy, that had to have been odd, right? <laughs> like I can't imagine living that way. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll just call her Carol, the woman who had become my second wife, just because I, I wanted do my best to protect her identity. She, uh, she said, well, actually I have some family that are independent fundamentalists and there's a real special spirit in their home. And at that point, I just kind of like, got to go to bed. Sorry, I'm tired. And I just, you know, call it a night. A mm. couple weeks later, uh, me and Amber are getting ready for bed. And Amber asked me a question just kind of out of the blue. She said, if, if, when plural marriage comes back, would you ever considering consider taking Carol as a, as another wife? And I'm like feeling a little bit like uh, like Admiral Akbar in Star Wars. It's a trap, right? Mm -hmm. Be very careful. I'm like, you know what? What I don't know. It's late. I'm going to bed. Good night. I love you. About a month passes, and I come home one day from from doing a job, and I walk in the house, and and 
Amber and Carol are, are at the table and they're reading their scriptures, which wasn't unusual because, um, you know, they, again, they, they taught together in primary and, uh, Amber says, David, come here. I want to, I want to ask you something. And I was like, okay. And so I walk over and she's got the doctrine and covenants out. And she says, uh, just read the opening, opening, uh, paragraph there the opening verse and it was verily thus saith the lord and we went to a couple others and we repeated that same exercise and then she went to the manifesto and she says how does this one open and i said to whom it may concern mm -hmm. and she just asked me point blank she said does that sound like a revelation to you hmm. and I, I i was taken aback i was i was speechless i didn't know what to say and I was like, well, no, it, it doesn't sound the same as the others. And we have, from there, we have this very um, raw and emotional heart-to-heart, -heart, the, the three of us, where, where Amber just basically says, you know, look, Brenda's got feelings for you, you know, um, and, and uh, how do you feel about Brenda? And I'm freaking out. I mean, I am literally oh freaking goodness. out. I've never I don't heard know. a story like this before. I, I didn't know what to do. Yeah. I honestly didn't. And so um, I basically, you know, I, I sit back and I'm like, let's, let's all think about this for a second. Let's think about where this really goes, right? I mean, so I take a few days and I pray about it a lot. I mean, whether I'm out working, whether I'm working around the house, I just went on a lot of drives and a lot of walks to try to figure this out and i remember i i prayed as earnestly maybe even more so in that time than i did when i was first reading the book of mormon and i just asked you know god is this your will because if this is your will i you know you gotta let me know because i can't i you're I, i'm not your guy right and uh it was uh it was the same feeling i had when i read the book of mormon that came over me stronger in some respects. And so um, wow. we it's all come back to get, this oh, is, go ahead. Well, no, I just, uh, this is a fascinating story. I wanted to continue. I, we don't really do a whole lot of talk about your backstory. So I'm just hearing this for the first time. And it's really fascinating to me. I usually, the, the story as it normally goes, it's the husband that has feelings for another woman and sometimes starts thinking about polygamy in that context. This was the exact opposite. Your wife actually was the one yeah. that converted you to to, uh, to the idea of practicing the principle. Yeah, and, and and again, she she was fairly inactive most of her life in the LDS Church, right? So it's not like I could see this coming, right? I mean, there I just had no no feel for it. But um, so we come back together, and I said, okay, this is. I feel like the Lord is telling, telling me that this is okay. And both, both the girls are like, uh, yeah, yeah, we've known for a while. We're, we're kind of waiting for you. And I said, if we do this, if we do this, God's got to be at the center of it. Because if not, this thing's going to fall apart quickly and horribly. And it, it's got to be, God's got to be in the middle of it. So that leads me to start looking for, for a way to get married, right? Because again, I'm not doing anything unless I feel it's sanctioned. Mm -hmm. And so I search high and low. 
Um, and then I discover a, a, a book by Ogden Kraut. I can't remember which book, but in it, he talked about a solemn covenant where basically you can go before the Lord, you and, and your spouse and your soon-to-be spouse, and make a covenant. And that covenant will suffice until you can find proper priesthood authority. So that's what we did. In the meantime, I kept searching, right? I mean, it's not like I could go to um, my, my LDS bishop and be like, dude, guess what? You know, he's, he's not having any of that. At the same time, we're not ready just to stop, to stop attending the LDS church. It's the only thing we got, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm literally going to church with, with being a polygamist, a practicing polygamist, um, called as elders quorum president. I mean, do, do a bunch of different stuff while I'm there still searching. And now as I'm searching, I uh, find proper authority. Um, we end up, I end up finding things like Adam God, the Adam God doctrine. I, I find things about um, how the temple ordinance has been just butchered. Um, I'm finding things out about, you name it, the gamut within Mormon fundamentalism. And at the same time, I'm talking to a ton of different people, some of whom freak me out, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I'm, I'm backpedaling a little bit, trying to get my bearings. And this, this goes on for about six, seven years. We, we live as a family. We vacation together. Um, you know, I'm, I'm back and forth at each place. Uh, date nights, the, okay, the whole so ball of just, wax. Just a few questions I have for you. So you said you 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 look for somebody to marry you. Um, and that Ogden Kraut's book was something where you do like a solemn covenant with you and the spouses or the future spouse. Was that a marriage ceremony or did you? Of sorts, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, so, that, it, so that enabled you to practice the principle by doing what Ogden Kraut recommended, correct? Correct. Okay. Yep. And so, and you said you're between her, our place and her place. So you slept, they, they lived under separate roofs. Yeah. But like 50 feet apart, they were that close. Oh, right. Okay, so you had two homes next to each other. Yep. Yep. So I could just go in between. We, we installed the gate in the back and it made it really super easy to do. A la big love, man. That's the setup they had on that show. Well, it was, it was, yeah, it was surreal. And at the whole time attending the LDS church. So you're, right. you're, you're independent fundamentalists, you're practicing the principle, and you're still, you're, you're members in good standing of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. And so, um, eventually, it gets to a point to where um, Carol's family kind of finds out, and things kind of hit the fan. And there's a decision that has to be made. And I'm like, look, I'll, we'll move. I don't have a problem. I'll, we'll pull the trigger and we'll, we'll move. But to be fair, she was in a tough spot. And she, she ultimately decided, you know what, I just want to end things. And so that's, that's what happened. And um, it, it sucked. I, there's no other way to say it. It sucked. I felt like I had failed uh, Carol. It felt like I had failed Amber. It felt like I had failed God. Um, and again, being God's most petulant child, I, pardon the expression, I pissed and moaned a lot, mm -hmm. right? I was like, you brought me to this place. You put me in this position. Why now? What, what did I do wrong? Help instruct me and please take this pain. Okay. And I never, 
I never wanted to mourn too much in front of Amber mm -hmm. about Carol leaving because I didn't want Amber to ever feel like she wasn't enough. Okay, yeah, that, man, you're very empathetic and thoughtful for other people here. So, I'm just curious. I, I I just want to get a little bit more of the logistics here. So, and if you don't mind, if there's no if there's if you don't want to answer the question, if it's too personal, that's fine. I I'm just curious. You did you start a family with Carol? No, no. Okay. It, it, it was past that point uh, physically for her. Oh, understood. Okay, and so um, all right. So continue with your story. I'm just curious. No, you're good. Um, so, um, I, yeah, I never wanted to mourn too much in front of Amber. Sure. Uh, cause I never, again, I didn't want her feeling like she wasn't enough cause that was never the, the case. Um, but I remember there was one night and this goes back to what you said about, about it being odd, how I came into this whole thing. Right. Um, I was on the porch and uh, look, I'm a guy who's willing to admit my faults. I didn't have a drink of booze for. 10 plus years. And in that moment, in the, for a few, for a few weeks, I was like, maybe if I counsel with Captain Morgan, he'll have something good to say. Okay. And uh, I remember I was, uh, I, I drank way too much and I was on the deck and I was again, pissing and moaning. And Amber came out and she said, are you okay? And I said, I'm fine. And I said, but I'm never doing this again. This is stupid. I was like, I'm going to forget everything I learned and I'm going to, we're just going to go back to the LDS church and we're going to keep our head down and I'm not going to revisit this ever again. And I remember Amber looked at me in that moment and she said, no, we're, we're kind of called to this. And if we have that opportunity again, we're going to do it, but wow. we can, we can, we, we can try to keep going to church and stuff. And so I, I did, I tried really hard to go back to the LDS church. Uh, we ended up moving to North Dakota after that, uh, just because uh, we felt like a, a move would be good for us. Mm. Um, went to church there, moved to Utah, went to church here up until right at the beginning of COVID. Okay. Um, and I woke, you know, I, I was doing it again. I was right back into leadership. There was no, no issues. We were never found out. but. I would sit in church and I would hear things and I knew that's, that wasn't the way it was. And it's not like I blamed the members or I blamed the Bishop, or I even blamed the church necessarily. I just knew. Right. And when you know, it grates on you a little bit when you have to just sit and endure things that you know are, are factually incorrect. Um, and I remember there was a morning that I woke up, and I was getting ready. I had to do a Zoom meeting for church because we're in COVID now. And I just remember looking in the mirror and, and having this moment of, if, if you don't start getting just damned honest with yourself in a big hurry, you're going to lose exactly who you are. Mm. And so it was at that point that, that I resigned, that, that I basically told my leaders at the LDS church, I'm not coming back. Um, I believe X, Y, and Z, and this just isn't working for me. I've done enough mental gymnastics. And the other thing that got me was they made a few more temple changes that I felt like really crossed the line. And I was just like, I'm, I'm done. I, I can't do it anymore. Uh, I've done the mental gymnastics and, and I'm, I'm done. And so I just hung it up. And at that point, 
started looking around, right, about what I was going to do real seriously. Wow. And that's, yeah, that was kind of the genesis of, of how I got to where I'm at now. Wow. So uh, you, uh, it's just a really interesting story, you know, and it's fascinating because I first encountered you um, last fall on a special mm-hmm. Zoom call uh, on a Saturday night. And um, it was a really interesting evening because basically uh, you joined a group. I did. Um, yep. And you, uh, and, and so this group asked that I would maybe interview some members of their church during the general conference. And you were one of their newest baptized members into the church. I was. Yep. And uh, I remember it was so funny because I remember you're sitting in the back table, you know, I'm kind of watching you, you know, and it seems like somebody else comes in the room and you keep on getting bumped. <laughs> somebody else would walk, you know, it's just kind of funny. I was like, that poor guy in the back there, you know, he's got, he's got to talk. And of course, then, you, then, then finally you, you come, and this is a fascinating interview, folks. I mean, I, I, I interview people from like 17 years old to 87 years old, right. and every different demographic in between. And I didn't know who's going to step in front of that camera. So it was one of the most interesting Saturday nights. I tell people it was one of the f- greatest Saturday nights I've ever had. And I said, now I used to go out and party all the time. And I can tell you that it, it definitely makes the top five all-time greatest Saturday night of all time, except the difference is I may, I remember that one. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. it was an interesting thing. And, you know, what I, when, I, when I took my biggest takeaway from it was I could be neighbors with any of those people. It, it, and it really touched me. So I remember you came on last. And I remember I'm sitting there thinking, it's getting late at night. I'm like, and I got to wrap things up with Benjamin. And I think I have to use the bathroom a little bit. So my neighbor who watched the interview went to me and said, that poor guy at the end, you, you kind of cut him off. I said, I know I felt so bad. And I, and I wanted him to hear more of a story, but I'm so glad that you got to come on tonight and, and talk about your backstory because it's really fascinating. But but I think you know, it's really cool. It, it, I didn't feel like I was cut off at all. And as far as you noticing me in the back, I'm a fairly bigger guy. I'd be worried if you didn't notice, right? I mean, Mike, I have an excess of table muscles. So, I mean, yeah, it would, it'd be, it, it wouldn't be hard not to, to spot me back there. So. Well, I, it was a real pleasure meeting you that night. And I just felt like there was a real, like just the people were very nice and kind and gentle and they are. enthusiastic and just, just a good group of people. And uh, you know, I think that it was like I said, it was very eye-opening because it was that I always tell people it's probably my biggest surprise starting this channel. What I didn't see coming was I didn't realize how normal most polygamists are. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think that's due to the fact that the ones who normally get the publicity, normally, right? Every 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 once in a while, you have the darters or the browns or something like that. But by and large, I mean you're getting you're getting fed a steady stream of. Uh, of the FLDS down in, in Colorado city, or um, you're seeing something like under the banner of heaven and it doesn't necessarily paint a real accurate picture. Yeah. And I think it's fascinating because um, you decided after actually one of, one of your inspirations for starting your podcast, again, it's called the Mormon renegade podcast was actually kind of partially was influenced by that conversation we had that night. Cause you had yeah. commented that I kind of was an inspiration to you. Maybe talk about that. So, yeah, I, I remember uh, we talked and I was kind of like, that was fun. That was fun. And I've always been kind of inquisitive anyway. Right. Because I just like to know about people and what they believe. And, and I, I feel like there's real value in that. And so I, I kind of thought about, it. I was like, well, maybe, maybe I could do a podcast like on, you know, 
my career, right? Or because um, I've had a lot of cool experiences there or, you know, just sports or, or something like that. Um, Mormon fundamentalism wasn't on my radar. <laughs> and uh, the, 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 how, how I came to think about a, a Mormon fundamentalist podcast was I was, uh, I was actually working out of town. So this is one of two things. It's either, you know, me being moved by the spirit or it's a bad slice of pizza and time will tell which one that is. <laughs> but uh, I, I remember I was just laying in, in bed in this hotel room hundreds of miles from home. And I can never sleep good anyway when I'm in a hotel away from the family for work. And so I'm just staring up at the ceiling and I remember thinking there's got to be more that I can be doing other than just going to church and, and raising my family there, there, what else could I do? And the idea of starting a, a podcast from a Mormon fundamentalist kind of sprang up and I thought, well, that's, that's stupid. Why would, I don't want to be that guy. Um, and so I, I kind of shelved it. And then a couple of weeks later, I, I just found myself continually thinking about it. And when I started the podcast was like weeks before uh, Under the Banner of Heaven came out and then Prophets Pray, uh, or excuse me, uh, Keep Sweet came out and, um, a, you know, a couple other things. And um, I feel like as fundamentalists, we, we, I think we're in a fundamentalist moment, so to speak, because all these things are coming out. And um, my worst fear from any of those was seeing some guy from the LDS church with his wife who just get blown away by old school Mormon doctrine and aren't able to answer those questions. And a lot of folks at church at the LDS church aren't able to answer those questions now. And that's not a slam. I'm just saying that's, that's been the progression and the, and the, the, the trajectory that they've been on for a while. And so my hope was is is in the podcast being able to answer some of those questions and and hopefully even keep people in the lds church i i don't want to see the lds church go away that that's not what i'm about um but i don't want people to throw the baby out with the bathwater when it comes to mormonism in general because i i really do have a testimony of 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 mormonism i i feel like it brought me a lot of peace, even while in the LDS church, as I, I think back and, and that 13 year old kid that, that was sitting on the porch and, and didn't have an answer for what happens to his dad, Mormonism, perhaps more than, than a lot of other religions. And again, not saying one is wrong or, or whatever, but, but in that moment, Mormonism had the answers that I was, I was craving that I was looking for. And, that was, and so that was a question I, that Joseph Smith had about his brother, Alvin. And exactly. That kind of started things too. Exactly. And so the, the podcast isn't geared towards tearing down the church or anything else. In fact, uh, I hope that people stay in the LDS church, be, you know, with that. I think that's fascinating. I, I, I like the approach that you've taken. Um, and I like your, 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 you know, you've studied the history and, you know, it's, it's so funny because like, um, I'm going to be the ref for the uh, kickball game um, at Sunstone between the uh, fundamentalists and the Exmos and 
And, 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 and doing that kickball tournament, you're going to be talking to two groups of people that know a heck of a lot more about Mormon history than your average church going pew sitting TBM, you know? Yeah. And, and in the age of the internet, um, I, you know, you guys, you guys know the history, like you and I, beforehand, we were talking about Strangites, right? You know, right. We, we, you know about all the different groups and you know that the other histories and other stories that have been told, you know, about John Taylor and the revelation that he had, you know about all these things that are part of the historical record that all scholars recognize, and right. and, and and a regular folk they don't they don't they're like there with their head caught in headlights, you know, when they come across this information. My hope is is that also it 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 doesn't it it can take some of the spookiness out of fundamentalism, right? Because I think for too long. Um, we've been complacent to allow the rest of the world to dictate to us who we are. Yeah. They, they see the FLDS and they're, they're like, well, that's, that's spooky. We want no part of that. And I'm a fundamentalist. I don't want any part of that. Right. I, I want nothing to do with that. Um, but my hope is, is that, you know, in having these conversations that I've had on the podcast thus far is that, one, it, it shows that there's many different flavors of this thing, right? Uh, I just had a gentleman on who still celebrates the Jewish feast days from a very Mormon perspective. Um, it was a fascinating conversation, four hours long, wow. um, where we just kind of broke it down. And realistically, the, the other thing I'd say is, is as much as I'd say that I hope the podcast does well, the other thing is it's for me because I'm naturally curious and I want to know. And so um, I, I, and you know, I've had conversations that had nothing to do with Mormonism. I had an economist on, I had, you know, um, someone who, who talks about psychotropic drugs on. Um, so yeah, I've, I've kind of ran the, run the gamut a little bit there and, and we'll continue to do so. The main thrust will always be Mormonism, but, uh, there, I have other interests as well. Yeah. So it was, it's fascinating. Cause you know, when I, about a year and a half ago, when I, um, started thinking about the channel, um, it's just under two years ago that the, the idea of maybe about two years ago, I started thinking of doing a YouTube channel. And I remember doing test videos because I was going to do a low carb eating channel, you know, <laughs> and mm -hmm. uh, I was doing test videos and I was thinking and, and then I was thinking of other ideas. And then this bookshelf that's sitting right next to me was staring me right in the face. And right. Why well, don't do I do uh, reviews of the books in my bookcase? Well, the channels become a heck of a lot more than that. But that was the initial idea. So I, I went and I thought, well, let me. See if Mormon book reviews is available. Like, by golly, it is. And then I buy the the URL, the website. You know, I own the name. So now I'm MBR. I'm Mormon book reviews. You know, and it just all kind of evolved. I, I like I said, that was like the third or fourth idea. So I think we have a similar uh, journey there, which I think is is really really cool. Um, and so you settled settled on Mormon book reviews based on the fact that you reviewed all those books. Is that kind of where it came from? Yeah. Well, I, I, the idea was was I'm just going to do reviews of the books in my collection. Okay. And then I thought, and well, maybe like in my very first episodes, and maybe I'll have an author now, now and then. Now, <laughs> little did I know what was coming, right? You know. <laughs> and uh, so that was the idea. So it just if I, I didn't try to make anything happen. Right. I just right. kind of let things happen. And, and, and I think this is the thing. And actually, I, I, I want to talk about this for the audience's benefit. For those of you who are interested in starting a podcast or a YouTube channel, um, it's a lot of work. It took me three months to get 100 subscribers. Um, it ain't easy. And uh, you got to really, really be dedicated to your craft. 
And one of the things I want to just talk to you about, David, because you said something that was really, really key. And I've been telling other podcasters this who are just starting their podcasts is that you, you made this for you, this channel. And I mm -hmm. tell people, I made this, this, this channel is for an audience of one for me. And I was talking to like the biggest podcaster in Mormon podcasting. I had, had breakfast with him and I went to him and I, I, I made that comment, you know, I, it's for an audience of one. So he goes and he says, you know, my best episodes are when I'm doing the episodes I want to do. But because right. he's so big, he's pulled in so many different directions and he feels like he has to do this and do that. He said, yeah, my best stuff is when it's, and that's the key thing, keep it centered on what you're interested in and not, not try to, and then just have your audience come along for the ride. So what are your thoughts? You just start your podcast. Does that seem to jive with you? Yeah, absolutely. Because I think it makes for good conversation, right? I, I don't like the, the format of, I just want to sit down and interview you and pick your brain. Mm -hmm. Right. I, I like conversation. And so I, I set the podcast up so it didn't feel like Sunday school. It didn't feel like a sacrament meeting. I mean, I got a heavy guitar riff on my intro because that's who I am. Right. I, I like I like rock music. I'm I'm yeah, it's who I am. And so absolutely. Because if you're engaged, if you're interested. The questions flow easier. I, yep. I don't use a script. Right. Yep. People, people will ask me when they come on, what do you want to talk about? And I'll give them a rough outline. I'm like, look, just know we're going to go where this conversation takes us. Yep. Um, likewise, I'm respectful. If you don't want something to put out there, I'll make sure I edit it out. But um, it, it really is a, just a conversation, just two people sitting down at a table talking about stuff. Yeah. I think the best podcasts do that. Now, when I first started, um, I have I have notepads full, full full of notes and I still do and I would and 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 so but when I first started for like for an interview I would like have three or four pages of notes mm -hmm. and as I got more and more comfortable with it less and less notes for the interview to the point that I went to you David today before you went on I said hey did I take any notes you remember me taking notes right and, uh, I found the note it was just Mormon Renegade podcast that was the only note I wrote for our for, for our pre conversation so I found is so for those of you who are wanting to start a podcast. Don't try to do too much. Uh, don't try to uh, pack in too much information. Um, don't try to make it sound, show how much you know, because if, if, if you ask a good question, people will know that you know a lot. So you don't have to go and give 50 different things that you think, let me show how smart I am, how much I know. It's just slow down and just ask good questions. And people, under, the, the people in the audience will understand like, okay, this guy knows what he's talking about. You know what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. I've made the comment several times on the podcast. Uh, I'm a clown with a microphone, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm there to, this podcast just gives me an opportunity to talk to some really cool people. I normally probably wouldn't have the opportunity to talk to you anyway. Um, and, and I do it because I want to know about their experience or I want to know about how they express Mormonism in their lives or I want to know about what's really going on with the economy in the case of, of, uh, of Kelsey Williams that I interviewed. Right. Um, so yeah, those, those are really keep it for yourself. That would, I think you're hundred percent correct. I think if, if you try thinking about things too large, I, I think you're going to get off into the weeds pretty quickly. And you told me you actually had some Christians reach out to you that are listening to your program. I did. I did. I had a, had a Calvinist reach out to me. And this wasn't very long. This was like episode number two, where he'd reached out to me and said, man, I, you know, I, I really, I really felt the spirit in that episode and it brought me some peace and I want to thank you. And, and we still communicate back and forth. He's a great guy. Interesting. So we've got a fundamentalist talking to 
Christian fundamentalists uh, <laughs> yeah. in one yeah. sense, right? Yeah. Like a, yeah. And so then um, I think that's really cool that you're, and, and, and so far, let me just ask you, what, what has been your biggest surprise since starting the podcast? Just the response. I mean, um, of course, the, the and, and his message was really heartfelt. I won't go into detail because I want to protect his, his privacy, but he'd been through uh, a loss and, and the fact he could say, you know, gosh, listening to this podcast, you know, brought me a little bit of peace on this subject that that was heavy. And that was something I wasn't prepared for. Mm -hmm. Right. I wasn't prepared for messages. I get through messenger saying, you know, thank you so much. You know, we, we've been waiting for this and, and, or, or, you know, thanks for doing this, just whatever it was. I, I wasn't prepared for that because again, I really do. I really am a clown with a microphone, right? Mm -hmm. I said on my very first episode that was 10 minutes long, where I kind of introduced your, the podcast, I, I'm not your priest. I'm not your rabbi. I'm not your bishop. I'm not your prophet, mm -hmm. right? I'm just a guy with a microphone. Who's curious about some stuff. And that's, that's where I've, I've always maintained where I want to be with this. I don't, but but to get the feedback that I have has has meant a lot. I'm glad that people are getting something from it. Yeah, you know that's that's the biggest. I mean, just yesterday I, I'm just a little things. So yesterday I'm I'm hanging out with some friends and I get a message and the guy's like, hey, I like your new hat, you know, that I wore on the interview the, the, that that I released right. that night. You know, it's like people are paying attention and people are people's lives, and, and this is the thing, I get stuff all the time from people who tell me their lives are changed or turned upside down, whether it was my interview on Mormon Stories or whether it's the stuff that I'm doing. People say, I'm, I'm their church service. I mean, people say, I have, I have a guy who reached out to me and said, the reason I'm reaching out to you is that it seems like just about every interview I watch, at some point, the spirit enters into the, into the conversation. He said, right. I feel the spirit. This is a Mormon. So that really like impacts you. My, the biggest shock is uh, just last week, I had someone reach out to me from England and said, you know, I've been going through a faith crisis. I, I thought maybe that that the gospel just wasn't true, um, but thank you for what you did. And can you give me some resources and give me some some sources that you used on the podcast? And, and that was huge. I was like, oh. you know, again, I'm you slow down. I'm a clown with a microphone. So, yeah, so that, yeah. And so I, I actually, um, I, I have to ask you a question. So because I was rushed when I did, when I talked to that group, and I don't think I got around to asking you this story, and I didn't ask everybody this question, but I want to ask you is what is your favorite Book of Mormon story? Third Nephi where Christ is about to leave and the people are just aching for the savior and they cry at his feet and he stays a little longer and he heals everybody everybody that comes to him the children are encircled by angels i love that story because i think no let me rephrase that i know that's who christ is Christ still heals, right? We hear about reports of miraculous healings, and that happens. But for a guy like me, far more than that, it was the work that he does on the heart, mm. where he, he, he works to, to heal the brokenhearted. 
And in that moment that, that the people are just aching for him is how I feel often. Um, it seems like whenever I make a little bit of progress towards a savior, his light illuminates just how broken I still am and still need him. Mm-hmm. And so to me, that's, that's one of my favorite stories there. And then let me just ask you, who is Jesus to you? Oh, he's, he's my savior. Um, he's my confidant. He, he is my hope. I mean, he's where I go for solace. He is, he's everything. I don't know how else to say it. Okay. That's awesome, dude. Um, I just have a little follow-up question about, um, I don't know exactly when we'll be airing this episode, but maybe give us a preview of some future guests that you're going to be having on the program. Um, I'm not going to drop names yet because we're still in the, in the process, but uh, someone on uh, health and fitness, um, which has been a personal journey now for me for about six months solid. Um, Another on um, some historical stuff that everyone will recognize the name when it comes. Um, But I want to off camera who that is. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then um, uh, uh, another professor. Great. Well, I'm excited for your new channel, the Mormon Renegade podcast. Uh, It was a great conversation we had today. Was there any final words you'd like to share with the audience? You know, really just, uh, you know, we touched a little bit on, on folks who, who, you know, maybe want to start a podcast. I would say do it, right? Just do it. Don't don't think about it too much. We live in a remarkable age where the middleman is slowly being pushed to the side. The gatekeepers. The gatekeepers are, are being pushed to the side. And that's a great thing. Even if you want to start a podcast about Mormonism, there's room. My voice is one voice in this thing, right? Your voice is one voice in this thing. And there's a ton of different expressions for Mormonism. So if you feel called to that, if you feel like that's something you should do, you should totally do it. The other thing is, is, you know, you you find yourself in moments of of faith crisis. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. There's always answers. Be patient and you'll get there. Be patient and you'll get there. Wise words, Mr. Sanders. Appreciate it. No problem. And I love you, man. You're awesome. I love you too, Burrow. So I just want to remind my audience to don't forget to like and subscribe and hit the notification button for when a new episode comes out. Um, also, just a reminder, the merch store is open. Go to mormonbookreviews.com. You can get some of this merch here. This is my one of my new shirts that I got, which I think is really cool. Uh, check it out, mormonbookreviews.com. For those of you who would like to support the channel financially, I would just recommend that you go down into the description and uh, you can have uh, places where you can give contributions to us on PayPal and Patreon. Just a reminder, we are on all the major podcast formats, including uh, Apple and Spotify. Uh, Thanks again, everybody. Uh, This has been wonderful, dude. And uh, you all have yourself a great day.